books on books on the brain. <laughs> Welcome back. Hello, hello. We're here. We're here. Hello, hello. I don't know why I repeat everything I say. <laughs> I've I've noticed that in every previous podcast, I it's always the same thing twice. For emphasis, it's like punctuation. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's all good. Vocal, vocal punctuation. Yeah, it's like just in case you forgot, here it is one more time. You are listening to Books on the Brain podcast. This is yes. Carly. Yes, Carly. <laughs> this is Deirdre, <laughs> and I'm Danielle. Hello. I hope you're having an excellent day wherever you are in this big, beautiful world. Yes. Oh man. How are we all doing? How are we all doing today? Uh I'm back in school. My semester started off like a pie to the face. And I've had exams and assignments already due, so I'm looking forward to having this semester over already and it just started. <laughs> but I'm taking some cool classes. So I'm excited. I'm taking um one of my classes I'm taking a devised class in devised theater. And so we had to uh, come up with some kind of talent, which I'm like, uh, for, for for artistic people, thinking of a talent is like, mm, it's tough. But then I wrote a song and I actually really like it. So I'm excited to be more creative this semester because I feel like sitting in my apartment doing Zoom University by myself has left me feeling not creative. So I'm excited to do more creative things. It's exciting. I am getting ready to go back to school I am I'm excited because I feel like my life has had no structure for the past couple of weeks outside of doing the podcast I've start. I've talked to a couple people about how um I'm a little bit traumatized from the way my mm. finals went mm-hmm. at the end of last semester like it was just uh, and I've had some pretty crazy finals experiences like pulling all-nighters for classes um cramming for exams uh and like doing presentations on two hours of sleep but there was just something about this I am so nervous to go back to school (laughs) but we're gonna take it one day at a time one assignment at a time if I need to withdraw from classes I'll pop down to part-time. I'm going to give myself a little bit of grace and just, you know, take Mm -hmm. it day by day for now. Yeah, I think especially, like, with the climate that university students are having to deal with university right now, I think it's very important to put your own health and mental health first, as many... There might be people in your life who might not agree with it, but, like... just in the climate that we're in right now with the pandemic and just everything going on in the world I think it's very important to put yourself first yeah because no one else is gonna do it for you like I think that's the harsh reality like people and specifically institutions are like we we have help available for you but if you don't put yourself first that help just is completely useless so you gotta yeah do whatever you need to do Definitely. Like I, so I'm like upgrading courses right now. I'm, I'm trying to get good grades for university, um, but it's at my own pace and it's, it's literally like 
I have like a PDF file for every chapter and I have to like teach myself it. Um, I have not picked it up since November. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have until the end of like June to finish it. So I think like I've just like I keep telling myself, I'm like, oh, I have time. Oh, I have time. But then I know I know myself and I know I'm going to wait till June to get it all done. So I need to uh, I need to set aside some time the next couple of weeks to get back into it because I keep getting emails from my teachers like, here's here's your report. There's there's nothing new. And I'm like, I know. Um, but especially just like within the new year, like the last like month, I've just felt like my brain is not attached to my body like I just I don't I'm, I'm not in a I'm in a weird headspace pretty much um and so I'm trying to get back into the groove of life but yeah same I have this week started actively getting out of bed when I wake up instead of sitting on my phone opening TikTok opening Instagram checking my notifications I do that but if they're extensive I will leave them And I'm trying to get in the habit of doing a morning yoga flow, either like 28 minutes to an hour. And I've done the hour-long ones twice this week so far, and my days are so much more productive. I feel like last week it would get to like 1 o'clock and I'd be like, oh man, I'm dragging so much. I don't feel like I don't want to do anything. And now, because I'm, like, taking that hour out of my day, it's like, okay, well, you did this, now you're going to do this, now you're going to do this. Um, So I'm hoping I can continue that. I don't think I could keep up the one-hour sessions with school just based on time, but even if I can just fit in 30 minutes, um, even, like, a restorative flow of meditation, um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to take it day by day week by week but that has definitely been helping me feel like I'm in I feel like I'm in a better headspace than I was five days ago that's good I don't know if I actually am (laughs) that's half of it though just can just making your body think something yeah that's true yeah I've uh the last three nights I've gone to bed earlier Mm. which is something like by at least like two to four hours so that's good um, I'm still waking up around the same time, but um, I did wake up the other day at 8 o'clock all on my own, and that was wild. I haven't done that in many, many years, so (laughs) I'm a, a, like, I fall asleep at 2 a.m. and I wake up at 10 a.m. kind of person, so lately I've been falling asleep around, like, 11, which is crazy, so. I'm, like, a, I'm, like, a 10 p.m. in bed, like, 7 a.m. rise, but I've been going to bed at 2 because of homework. So then I'm like, go to bed at 2, wake up at 6. I didn't finish the homework. So I'm up at 6 to then submit the homework for 9 a.m. Holy moly, mm-hmm. me oh my. Mm-hmm. That's university in a nutshell. <laughs> How many more semesters do you have? Me? Years. Years. Oh. <laughs> Years. It's a five-year program. I... I'm on year two. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Years. Um, years, years. I applied to university. Yeah, I I that's a step. Yeah, exciting. I so I applied originally to one in September. They ghosted me. They didn't get back to me. Rude. Um, I spent like $85 on that application. Um, and then I applied to like my local one just a few days ago. 
and the application process was not as extensive and it was cheaper so fingers crossed that's good that's really exciting congratulations carly thank you yeah thank you oh man i feel like my energy is so low i need to like wake myself up Ah! books 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 pump some tunes just chant books until i'm excited now i'm excited there that worked we've Um, all done lots of research on what we're talking about so yeah we all put on our glasses we got our academic brains out and um we're really excited about what we're gonna chat about today um Mm -hmm. this episode comes out in february which is black history month we wanted to do an episode celebrating black authors, black voices, and black stories. So we all went away. We thought about some of our favorite black authors and some of our favorite black voices and books. And we're going to share them with you guys today. It's very exciting. Yes. yes. Oh, I do have some book news first before we uh, dive in. Um, this We are recording this episode on... January 21st, so yesterday on the 20th, we got a announcement that the graphic novel Heartstopper by Alice Oseman is coming to Netflix as a live action TV show, mm-hmm. um, and Alice Oseman is writing the show, and it's being directed by Euros Lynn, so very, wow. very excited for that, and I will be ordering those graphic novels ASAP. They've been at the top of my list and I just Mm -hmm. haven't ordered them. So now it's like, okay, get on it. Um, And then as I was looking into some authors, I found a piece of news that should have been in our book to movie adaptations episode, but completely missed it. And Felix Ever After by Case and Calendar was announced in August that Amazon had picked it up and uh, they are adapting Felix into a TV show. So Ooh. very, very exciting mm-hmm. book news today before we get started. Um, and along with the very exciting announcement about Heartstopper yesterday, obviously in the United States, it was the inauguration yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a wonderful inaugural poet, Amanda Gorman, uh, a 22-year-old black girl who read just an incredible poem. So to start this episode off, I thought I would just talk a little bit about her for a second before we get into each of the authors that we researched, uh, because this seemed like a perfect opportunity to lift up her voice and talk about who she is. So the sources for this information are NPR. They published an article about her yesterday, the 20th of January, and her website, theamandagorman.com. So she is the youngest inaugural poet. Uh, She graduated cum laude from Harvard, where she studied sociology. Uh, The poem she wrote for the inauguration is called The Hill We Climb. She's won multiple awards and spoken at so many prestigious events. I was like, I cannot write all of this down for the podcast. Um, Just go give her a Google or follow her on Instagram. She is great. And she has two books coming out in September. They are both available for pre-order. This is absolutely not sponsored. (laughs) 
Um, so her first book that's coming out is called Change Sings. It's a children's book that has been illustrated by Lauren Long, and it's being published by Viking at Penguin Random House. And the second book is a book of her poems titled The Hill We Climb. So her inauguration poem is going to be in there, and that is being published by Penguin Teen. So that's a little bit about Amanda. Um, and follow her on Instagram. She is the cutest. I can't. I can't. I still can't get over the fact that she's the same age as me. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing amazing things at 22. I know. She really is. And just yeah. so wise. Like, so wise at 22. I'm like, I was not that wise at 22. Right? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. Yeah. She just has such a clear point of view. It was so... <laughs> I was not expecting... A poem where literally every single line, I was like, oh my god, mm-hmm. oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> is it possible to resonate with an entire long-form poem? Mm-hmm. Like, because that is how I felt about it. That's power of poetry, baby. Power of poetry, speaking from the heart. I know. I don't listen to or read a lot of poetry and I was like well I'm definitely purchasing uh, Amanda's poetry book because Mm -hmm. I need it yeah it's very exciting very 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 exciting yes so we love we love black girl magic in here we do we do we do Mm -hmm. okay who wants to kick us off uh with their author um so I I chose an author who I admire a lot. This is an author that um, I feel like her voice is a voice that I could just listen to all the time. Not even her, like, just her speaking voice, but just her point of view on life is so, so inspiring and so interesting. Um... I'm going to be talking about Roxane Gay, who is, she has a laundry list of things. She's just the coolest lady who's been doing the coolest stuff. Uh, but I'm going to try to condense it. So if I miss something, I apologize, Miss Gay. Please don't come at me. Um, she is an American writer, professor, editor, social commentator, novelist, and essayist. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Uh, she was born in Omaha, Nebraska. And she is 46 years old. She is bisexual and she was, she just eloped last year. And it's very exciting. And I'm very, very happy for her. Um, She has an undergraduate degree from Yale and she has her master's in creative writing and she has her PhD in rhetoric and technical communication. So she is a well-educated lady. Um, She writes for the New York Times and she's founded a whole bunch of different, like, writing outlet things and she's editors for different magazines and stuff um she the specific book that i'm talking about today is her collection of essays called bad feminist um where she talks about what feminism means to her as a black woman as a woman and um why she feels like she's a bad feminist and why like just what what coincides with feminism which for me is a really interesting topic 
Um, there is an accompanying TED Talk that she does, which is really, really... She's so funny. She's such a funny uh, person. But the TED Talk has excerpts of the book. But I guess, like, the easiest thing... She, she in an interview, describes the book as, I'm very much trying to show how feminism influences my life for the better and for the worse. It just shows what it's like to move through the world as a woman. It's not even about feminism per se. It's about humanity and empathy. Um, which for me is really interesting. I feel like I went through a period of time in my life where I struggled with feminism as well, right? Like we all have this preconceived notion of what feminism is. I feel like very much through a male gaze what feminism is, which is not what it really is in the grand scheme of things. But, um, yeah, I wanted to read a little excerpt of the book, but I want to talk about a couple of other her projects that are really, really cool that she's done. Um, she has a memoir called Hunger where she talks about being a fat woman, which is so engaging to me because I don't, we don't hear stories about fat people. We don't hear stories about different marginalized groups. And I feel like she just brings so much insight and awareness to these things. And it's amazing. Um... In July of 2016, herself and a poet named Yana Harvey were announced as the writers of the Marvel Comics World of Wakanda, which is a spinoff of Black Panther, and it was it made them the first black women to be lead writers for Marvel, which is really, really, really cool. That's amazing. And that Tanahasi Coates served as a consultant on the series, which is pretty cool. Unfortunately, it was canceled after it was announced that they were making the marvel movie of black panther but while it was happening it was hailed for having prominent portrayals of lgbtq characters which we love to see we love to wow. see that um she's got so many awards i cannot talk about all of them but like some of the really cool ones um she won in june of 2020 she was named one of the leading voices of the nation towards equality, acceptance, and dignity for all people. So one of 50 people that they announced, which is pretty cool. Um, so, okay, Bad Feminist. Let's, I just want to read a little excerpt and maybe that's all I'll say about it because I feel like it speaks a lot about what this book is about. At some point, I got into my head that a feminist was a certain kind of woman. I bought into grossly inaccurate myths about who feminists are, militant, perfect in their politics and person, man-hating, humorless. I bought into these myths even though, intellectually, I knew better. I'm not proud of this. I don't want to buy into these myths anymore. I don't want to be cavalierly disavow feminism like far too many women have done. Bad feminism seems like the only way I can embrace myself as a feminist and be myself, and so I write. I chatter away on Twitter about everything that makes me angry and all the small things that bring me joy. I write blog posts about the meals I cook as I try to take better care of myself, and with every new entry, I realize that I'm undestroying myself after years of allowing myself to stay damaged. The more I write, the more I put myself out into the world as a bad feminist, but I hope a good woman. I am being open to who I am and who I was and where I have faltered and who I would like to become. Ah, come on! Oh. It's so good. <laughs> she's got such. Oh my god! She's got such That's an amazing so voice, and like she talks a lot in this book about like 
she talks about the Fifty Shades of Grey book. She, like, it's funny. Like, she's a funny person. She's very, very, very funny. That's, like, that's like the very end of the book. So it's a little bit more serious in tone. But she just, the way she speaks, it's so clear and concise, but it's so impactful. Like, there's no floweriness to her writing. It's just, like, what she means. And it's so compelling to read and so like fun to read and just see the world through her eyes it's really really amazing Roxane Gay's view on feminism is it feels very contemporary and it feels very realistic because sometimes Mm. when we look at the ideals of these overarching ideologies it feels like it's so inaccessible to the everyday person to have to live your life by these rules that feel like you are never going to succeed and you're never going to live up to the expectations they are setting for yourself and for society, it feels very disheartening. But what Roxanne proposes in her book feels a lot more accessible to a contemporary woman. This feels like way more where we can exist, we can live, we can breathe, and we can have forgiveness. Because feminism feels like it doesn't have a lot of space for forgiveness sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm even any kind of ideology like there's it's you've got these high standards for yourself but through thinking about yourself as like I am a feminist and these are things I believe but I'm allowed to live and I'm allowed to grow and breathe feels very relieving and that feels like it's much more attainable for Mm -hmm. at least myself personally yeah yeah I'm very passionate about feminism, apparently. That's great. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I think more people should be passionate about feminism. It's a, it's a good thing to be passionate about. It's, yeah. You know, our existence. Anyways, <laughs> the, the, the conclusion of it, if you've not read any of Roxanne Gay's works, please do. She has an amazing voice that I think is very relevant and very inspiring. Follow her on Twitter send her some love mm-hmm. um because she's really 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 great yeah i will definitely be checking that out after this yeah me too 100 percent. okay so um my journey for this week on research and all of that i hadn't really found a book that i was like wanting to talk about because i haven't really read a lot of black authors um and that's something i'm actively working on this year um especially just getting back into reading in general um it's a goal of mine um and so i was researching a bunch this week and i came across this book that i hadn't read it was called well-read black girl by glory edam and i was like well what is that and i discovered it was an anthology of essays compiled together by um a variety of contributors um on what it's like to be a black woman who reads literature where they're not always represented in it. Um, and so uh, Glory Edom is an American writer and entrepreneur. Um, she was born and raised in Washington, D.C. to Nigerian immigrant parents. She attended Trinity College on a full scholarship before transferring to Howard University. She is currently 35 and she published this anthology in uh, 2018. So she wrote the foreword of it, um, which was beautifully written. Just the the foreword alone, I was like captivated mm. and like, oh my God, I need more from this woman. But yeah, so she, she put together the anthology um, and she stated, I was trying to replicate the intimacy you have in a book club within the community where it feels like someone is sitting down next to you and telling you a very personal and loving story. And that is the perfect description of what this book is. Um, 
how the title of the book came to be well read black girl was actually from Adam's boyfriend um who would always poke fun at her because she always had a book in her hands and he was always like you're such a well-read black girl and he eventually um for her birthday gave her a t-shirt with well-read black girl on it and she loved it and she would wear it around um the city in new york and uh black women would stop her often like on the subway and be like what like what is that shirt like where did you get it from and then she would kind of explain to them how her boyfriend would call her the well-read black girl and then they would get into conversations about what her and the stranger were reading and she really really liked this whole idea of maybe starting a collection of more stories like putting more work into this idea that was forming through strangers um so some of the contributors are i'm gonna list all of them there's a few to say the least um so jesmyn ward veronica chambers tayari jones barbara smith rebecca walker marita golden first of all marita we have my middle name is marita i have never seen anyone with that name other than my grandmother so hello you're my favorite person now um renee watson gabri sidaby I think that's how you say it. Um, she's the woman who played uh, Precious in Precious. Um, also, she so her chapter was my favorite chapter. She talks about her life being a fat black woman. And um, she, she read her mother started her on reading with flowers in the attic at the age of seven. Friend of the podcast, flowers in the attic. <laughs> Why? Why? I. It has to be a generational thing. It has it to be. It must be. It must be. That's the through line of our life, I think, is just flowers in the attic. I mean, at this point, I feel like I'm going to have to read it at some point so that I can form an actual opinion on it, other than I know what the content is and I know I don't like it. J- like, I, like, after re- like listening to, because I, <laughs> I listened to the audiobook of this, uh, after listening to her chapter, I was like, I really want to read this book just so I can form an opinion on it, because... Did um, she say whether she liked it? She said that... Oh, what did she... She's like, she said that her mother had to explain that, like... Oh, my God. That, like, it was, like, about a brother and a sister, because she was reading it with her brother. Oh, God. Were... <laughs> oh, so the... <laughs> That's almost the worst context in which to read that book is with your brother. Oh, God. Oh, my God. (laughs) She was reading it with her mother, her brother, and then her. And her mother had to explain that, like, you know, this is what's going on. And um, Gabriel, she said she was like, she was basically saying, like, it's it's messed up. Um, Like, the incestual (laughs) plot line. Like, she didn't agree with it, obviously. But um, she remembers it being, like, just, like, the, like... One of the first books that, like, she can really identify reading with her mother and her brother um, that got her into the world of literature, I guess. Um, But it was it was crazy. Yeah. She said, like, she she I think she said she remembered feeling like really weird about it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, So and then we have uh, Diana Clayton, uh, Stephanie Powell Watts, Nicole Dennis Ben, N.K. Jemison, uh, Morgan Jerkins, Zinzi Clemens, Bishrat Mengeben, Mahogany L. Brown, Jamia Wilson, Carla Bruce Eddings, and Caitlin Greenidge. And every single one of them 
truly like put their heart and soul into the story that they were writing about what it was like to be a black woman where you're not represented in literature or when you are and a lot of them um reference back to Toni Morrison as being like their first experience of um truly identifying with characters or a book where they saw themselves in it and I thought it I thought it was beautiful that like across like not every single person mentioned it obviously but a lot of them had and I think it's just something really beautiful that Toni Morrison could do this for so many black women who grew up not having themselves represented and then eventually they found her work and was like this is me this is me in a book um so I thought that that was really beautiful and then I'm just going to read like the little synopsis um that is on Goodreads um so it says remember that moment when you first encounter a character who seemed to be written just for you that feeling of belonging can stick with readers the rest of their lives but it doesn't come around as frequently for all of us in this timely anthology well-read black girl glory Adam brings together original essays by some of our best black female writers and creative voices to shine a light on how we searched for ourselves in literature and how important it is that everyone, no matter their gender, race, religion, or abilities, can find themselves there. And that is exactly what the book is. It's just, it's so beautifully written. And like each individual person has their own voice. And there's not enough synonyms for beautiful to describe the book. Um, <laughs> and Adam received the 2017 Innovators Award at the Los Angeles Times Book Prize for her work. Um, wow. Yeah. So that is... Well Read Black Girl by Glory Adam. It is so good. Especially if you find yourself like you're like, I haven't really read a lot of black authors. Dive into this book. A lot of them are authors that you can, you know, branch out and read their work with. Um, so yeah. What amazing sense of community that book probably provides to have all these really strong voices all put into one book. That's really something phenomenal. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm a little ashamed that the only author, I only recognize one author, and it's mm. N.K. Jemison, And I yeah. love her work. I, mm-hmm. I've read the, the first book in her, um, shoot, what's the name of the trilogy? The fifth season? The Broken, the Broken Earth trilogy. Oh, so I've yeah. read the first book, which is the fifth season. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a big, I'm going to talk about it in a future episode and do like a whole... Uh, mm-hmm. thing about it but um it's very high fantasy so I needed to take a big break before <laughs> finishing the trilogy so that I could download everything from that book um but what a great way to if you haven't introduced yourself to a wide range of black authors to know that there's a place you can go where you can read a sampling of their work and mm-hmm. then go on to find more well and especially um nk what's her last name jemison nk jemison um she talks about her chapter was also one of my favorites uh she talks about what it was like um going into the fantasy and sci-fi genre not having black women there and so that's a whole conversation Mm -hmm. that needs to be had and she touches on it very very well within this book and it was just it was amazing I love her so much. <laughs> I did not choose to talk about her today. Um, but <laughs> I'm her writing is masterful. Mm. Her ability to build worlds and her use of language is phenomenal. 
it's like it's actually stupid like how good (laughs) she is at what she does very good yeah this is just like what a fun celebration of black voices in one novel Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and a place to go (laughs) i automatically thought about um the amount of people on book talk that have said and i'm sure they are all over the internet that why does representation matter and here is an entire book to show you why yes yes because each into like the specifically the writers in this book talk about their first experience seeing them themselves in literature and that feeling that they got and they actively decide they were going to work to make sure that other that they could provide materials for other black girls to have that same experience in more of a modern world and i think that that is beautiful yeah because if you're someone who's sitting there thinking why does representation matter and why do we need to have it then you obviously have never been confronted with the fact that you are not appearing in the things that you are consuming exactly therefore you need to open your mind and you need to open your heart because you are on the wrong side of this argument my friends if you are if you're looking at the world and saying why does representation matter you are excluding a ginormous part of the population and that is not that does not make you a good human yeah Yeah. in one of the very first chapters i can't remember who said it but um one of them had mentioned that when they closed a book, like they would read, you know, Narnia or whatever it was, whatever it was, they would close the book and that was where the book ended. They, it would no longer play in their head because they couldn't insert themselves into that world because they didn't see anyone like themselves in that world. And so that made me kind of sit back and go, oh, well, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Because if they're not in that world, then, you know, it's just it's just going to end as soon as they close the book. So yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've been tr- so I talked about this a little bit in Jason's episode, but I had that video where people were very nasty in my comments about diversity. And there was one comment that really got to me and it was someone saying that they don't care if there is diversity or representation in a book because they treat it like a movie and they can cast all the characters in their head. And I was like, but it shouldn't be that way. No. The author should be able to give you a description of the characters mm-hmm. and they often, if not always, give you a description of the characters. So if a character is described as being white with blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, size six... How are you going to sit there and be like, no, 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 this is actually a plus size Latina woman. Mm -hmm. That's, you are completely changing Mm -hmm. the character. And if that's what you want to do, keep that to yourself, please. Um, And so I'm really glad you brought that up because, yeah, if you don't see yourself inside of something, you are not going to insert yourself into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think more people who have been represented have to get more comfortable with the idea of not being able to insert themselves in other stories, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, like sometimes you just have to sit there and read something that isn't in your realm at all. It makes you uncomfortable. Sometimes that's what you have to do in order to move forward in your life within the reading world. Like, 
Yeah. You need yeah. to face those uncomfortable feelings of systemic racism that are embedded in your own life and mm-hmm. think about the things you're consuming and your own role in those things and your own view of those things feel those uncomfy feelings but then do something about it mm-hmm. like that's the yes. second step right if you're not if you are someone who's commenting on videos about why does there need to be representation or oh i just recast people so they're diverse in my mind you're being complacent in the systemic racism of black people in literature or black people in the media and that is not like that makes you part of the problem Mm -hmm. we have to all be actively trying to be part of the solution right i agree yeah so wow two for two i need to go read both of those books also i forgot to mention um there is a whole book community and book club uh wellreadblackgirls.com i believe you can literally sign up and they have a whole virtual um book community and book club and they read books like i think every month and before covid obviously they had um meeting areas and yeah so it's it's a whole community that has started from this book so definitely go check it out that is so cool Mm mm-hmm yeah. So, so I am going to talk about Tanahasi Coates. Um, he is one of my now favorite authors. Uh, and I actually found, and the book of his that I'm specifically going to be talking about is Between the World and Me. Um, and I found this because of a TikToker called at Jenna's Lit Picks. We will tag her in our bio. Uh, she really recommended this book and I read it in... August, I believe, um, when I was really actively trying to do some anti-racism work and internal looking at my view on racism and white supremacy and all of those things. And I feel like for me, this book was a really great way to combat things I thought I knew and things I definitely didn't know. Um, so I'll get into the book in a little bit. Uh, but the sources where I got all my information about Tanahasi Coates are from his website, tanahasicoates.com, marvel.com, The Atlantic, from an article written by Tanahasi Coates, and good old Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, so Tanahasi Coates is from Baltimore, Maryland. He attended Howard University, a historically black university, and in Between the World and Me, he talks a lot about his time at Howard, where he actually met his wife, uh, but he did not end up graduating from Howard. Um, He is a teacher, public speaker, journalist, and author. He was a national correspondent at The Atlantic. He has worked for The Village Voice, Washington City Paper, and Time. He has contributed to The New York Times Magazine, The Washington Post, O, The Oprah Magazine, and more. And he has several books out. So he has three nonfiction books, The Beautiful Struggle, We Were Eight Years in Power, and Between the World and Me. His first fictional novel is called The Water Dancer. And he has been the author of the Black Panther comic since 2016 and the author of the Captain America comic since 2018. And it was announced yesterday, January, was it announced on January? It was either announced on the 19th or 20th, (laughs) Um, need to check that date, Uh, that his five-year run with Black Panther will be coming to an end with the April issue, Black Panther number 25. So, between the world and me. It was published in... 2015 
and it is a letter to his son. Um, and this quote from Goodreads says, Ta-Nehisi Coates offers a powerful framework for understanding our nation's history and current crisis. He takes the reader, end quote, <laughs> he takes the reader through his life, the events that shaped his view on racism in America, and the things he hopes to impart on his son. It is full of pure, raw emotion, anger, love, hope, happiness, and sadness. There is also now an HBO special, which is a visual adaptation of the book, and I highly recommend watching it. Um, They even update some pieces of it um, since the five years that it's been published. Um, There's a significant portion of the book where he talks about how the death of Prince Jones, a young Black man, really impacted him. Um, And I had never heard of Prince Jones. Um, So he really goes into how he was killed by a police officer um, and how it affected him for years, like not just in the initial time of Prince Jones's death. And in the book, he interviews Prince's mother. Um, And so they, obviously, it's an adaptation, so it's also in the show on HBO. And then they do an update. And Ta-Nehisi Coates interviewed Brianna's Taylor, Brianna Taylor's mother this summer. Um, so there's, I think the really great thing that the movie does is with every historical event that Ta-Nehisi Coates brings up, they have footage from it. He talks about the Black Panthers and um, Malcolm X. And he specifically talks about a specific photo of Malcolm X. So the photo is on screen. Uh, and especially towards the end, they had a lot of footage of the Black Lives Matter protests from this summer. So the movie really melded like the literal current crisis of racism in America, as well as talking about the current as in current back in the early 2000s when he was writing this. Um, And I don't know that I'm going to be able to accurately like talk about how much this book impacted me because it it's like it's raw it is this man wanting the best for his son and talking about moments from his life moments where things happened to his son um and how racism is affecting their lives and it was one of the best books I think I could have picked up at the time. Um, I happened to listen to the audiobook, and I should say this book is so short. It's 100 and 152 pages. Oh wow! wow. So it's short. Um, I listened to the audiobook, which was like three ish hours long maybe mm-hmm. and then the hbo special is an hour so i think if you if you can't dedicate an hour to uh confronting racism uh mm-hmm. then you need to maybe examine yourself a little bit uh yep. but um i for being such a short book i know i will continue to go back to it and learn more from it Mm-hmm. like there is so much inside it um and especially because he talks about growing up but then it's also written from the perspective 
of an older person. So not an older person. He's like middle-aged when he wrote this. Um, so I'm curious like how much it'll impact me when I read it again when I'm his age when he wrote it. So yeah, I I just really, I really recommend this book. I think if you are anybody, you should read it. I don't really, <laughs> I think everybody should read this book. It's, it's so, it's so impactful. I haven't, I haven't read the book, but I have seen it discussed a lot. Maybe also because Jenna talks about it. So maybe mm-hmm. that's who I'm thinking about, but. What an interesting jumping off point to include so, so much conversation about so many events, right? Like, to to have this format and this vehicle to then, like you were saying in the HBO special, expand and bring in more contemporary things that are happening to us in 2020, well, when we were in 2020. Yep. It just sparks a lot of conversation and it shows that we, we change is slow and change is happening but we all need to be part of that change yes because if we see these things happening over and over that means we still have more work to do yeah and I think it's it's the kind of thing where as a white woman I have been fed a narrative absolutely I have been I have been told that Malcolm X was the opposite of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that was that was what I was taught in school when in reality they are both fighting for the same thing. They want racial equality. And to pit these two men against each other who were so impactful to the black community is such a disservice to them. Absolutely. And that's just one example. Right? of of that and to think about all of the events in recent history let alone history history where how many people in the population have very different views about what happened because one is being fed the palatable version and one is being fed reality Absolutely. And sometimes you think the altered version is reality just by who you're surrounding yourself with and what kind of media you were immersing yourself in. Yeah. So it takes sometimes some self-reflection and reflecting on what people are telling you to be able to step back and be like, man, what I thought was the truth for such a long time is not the truth. Yeah. And I think that leads into another conversation maybe we should have really quick before we uh, before we end this podcast, just about, like, our role as white women in this narrative, in this conversation, because I think that's something we need to acknowledge. Yeah. Um, we are allies of, obviously, of the black community, all three of us, but uh, we're not here to speak over voices. We're here just to uplift and just to right. call out other white people in this narrative because I think that is partially our job as well calling out people but it's not we're not here to step on other other voices we're here to just uplift so I hope that is how this came across yeah Yeah, absolutely Mm -hmm. and you know I know we kind of struggled with how to 
approach doing this podcast episode because I think one of the most important things that we all talked about when we started this podcast was we want to make sure that we are uplifting as many voices as possible. Um, Absolutely. And the conversation of race and racism and anti-racism and how to be an anti-racist is complicated. It's not easy. I, re- I like, am remembering back, way back in August, um, you know, way back in August, Book Talk very actively started having conversations about diversity. And, um, you know, it was a moment and then it kind of dwindled and there were some people that were still talking about it and some people that were kind of talking about it and some people that just never did talk about it. Um, and I can't remember who I was talking. Oh, maybe I, I think I might've watched a video of Jason's. Um, and the conversation of diversity and what is proper representation and especially as a white person, how to keep the conversation of diversity going without it feeling like we are speaking over the voices that need to be heard. Um, the only way to get better at it is by doing it. Absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. so if you, and being open to criticism that like, if you, if you say something and you don't realize because you are ignorant, but like Mm -hmm. we are all ignorant of certain things. That is just Mm -hmm. absolutely the way we all are going to be based on the way we are all raised. Um, the only way for you to grow is to be open to someone coming to you. And I think when you are criticizing someone or commenting on someone, there also has to be a little bit of grace and like, hey, maybe you shouldn't have said this. Maybe it could have been phrased this way or blah, 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 blah. Um, being open to that, but then also realizing that as hard as it is to have the conversation about diversity and all of these things, it will only get easier the more you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think if, if the end goal of having these conversations and having awareness about the lack of diversity in our literature is to educate people first and foremost because maybe people are not aware yeah right like geographically even within like myself having lived in different provinces in Canada it is shocking how different places in the world see things yeah even within the same country and I mean obviously we see that in the U.S. so like obviously but yeah if the end goal is to educate and to bring awareness then a, both of those things need action to happen, right? Like, those yep. aren't things that we can just passively say, like, more awareness needs to happen. That doesn't lead to anything just to say that. There right. needs to be steps taken with that. Mm-hmm. And on top of, if the true goal is to educate, then there needs to be forgiveness along with that. Yes. Right? We have to allow people to to own up to their mistakes, to learn. But we also need to know that it is time to learn and it is time to own up to those mistakes. So there's going to be uncomfortable feelings on all sides. But oh, if, yeah. if, in my opinion, if we want to 
move forward and do better, we have to do something right positive. (laughs) Yeah. And I think especially as three white women with a platform on this podcast and our own platforms, it is important to uplift those voices. I really have tried, especially in the last few months, to make sure that my monthly reading is as diverse as possible. Um, And I've noticed some months I'm better than others just because um, I'm not always paying attention to my spreadsheet that I've talked about. Uh, And so it makes me be much more aware that the more that I talk about diverse authors, the more they're going to reach people and the more that education can happen. And there are so many ways that you can approach educating people. You know, like the three books that we talked about today were all nonfiction, but there are fantastic fiction books by Black authors that I'm sure we'll keep talking about throughout this month um, that are also a really great way to educate yourself. Like there are so many ways to learn and grow. Yeah, you just have to hold yourself accountable to it because what we were saying earlier of like taking care of yourself, no one's going to do it except for you. Yeah. Holding yourself accountable, no one's, it is, that is purely your job to hold yourself accountable because you are, you are in charge of making the change to make yourself a better person. Yes. Nobody can do that for you. Truly. Yeah. Speaking of good fiction, books by black authors, I'm currently reading a book that is by a black author that is a great fiction book if we want to talk about our current reads. (laughs) Oh, look at us go! You go um, first. Okay, T. Last night, I wrote my first exam for my semester, and I finished it, and I closed my laptop, and I said, I want to be taken away to a wonderful world. <laughs> <laughs> away from this thing that I'm existing in. So I picked up Legend Born by Tracy Dion, which I had bought in 2020 and just had not gotten around to reading. Uh, because it's it's a bigger book now I just felt like I didn't have time to devote to it and it felt like I didn't want to do it in little segments but last night I'm like I'm gonna pick it up and just start it because everybody and their mother has said this book is so amazing and I'm like I gotta read it so I picked it up last night and I got 250 pages into it like this it is so it is so immersive it is such an interesting story so it is a YA, like, magical realism kind of thing where Brie, the main character, goes to this early college program at, oh god, I can't even remember the college. Oh no. Uh, UNC Chapel Hill. It's a real place. <laughs> so I'm told, but I'm not from the States, but I think it's real. I it, is it is real. real. It is real. <laughs> <laughs> but she goes to this early program, so she's... 16, but in the prologue of the book, uh, it's like on the first page, I, I promise you, I'm not spoiling anything. I think it's even the first line. Um, her mother dies. So it starts a story where she's in this, this moment of grief and she goes to this school and kind of starts to unearth this magical society that is existing there. But it's all stemmed from this idea of king arthur and the knights of the round table it's really cool it's got like a little bit of romance i'm usually more of a romance lady but it's really great i'm only halfway through but 
it's at the tipping point now that I'm like, oh, it's gonna just, it's gonna go. It's gonna go really well. And what's great about this book, in my opinion, it's YA, but it doesn't feel like it's inherently YA. Like, it doesn't fall into these tropes. It feels like it's very contemporary with the problems that teenagers face now. Mm. As opposed to being, like, tropey of, like, insta-love or, like, stuff like this. It feels like... Like, there's a run-in with police, and she has she sits in the back of the police car, and she's, like, trying to think about what she should say so she doesn't antagonize the police officer and all these things. Mm. And it feels like it brings these nuances of things that we're experiencing in the world into this place of magic. It's really, really good. It's really wow. good. And it talks about trauma in a really interesting way. And... Um, I'm really excited to finish it. I've heard nothing but good things about yeah. Witch and Born. It's, it's really good. It is genuinely very, very good. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to read it. <laughs> so I am currently reading the audiobook of Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. Um, and it is the prequel to The Hate You Give. So it follows Star's dad, Maverick, when he is 17. And he finds out that he is going to be a father to the woman that he knocked up. Um, I'm 30% of the way through, so we have just skimmed the surface. But it very much feels like we're going to learn a lot about what it is to be a black man, what it is to be a young black father, um, and his really, and he's also a drug dealer. Like, that is a prevalent part of it. Like, when you start off the book, he is talking about the drugs he is dealing and how his cousin is like, you have to shape up for your son. You have to go get an honest job. And so he takes him to the, uh, grocery store market mart thing um that his neighbors actually own um and he becomes a part-time employee for them and um for at least right now where I am in the book it very much feels like him learning about responsibility and owning up to his mistakes and things like that um so I'm very very excited uh to keep reading this book I loved The Hate You Give and On the Come Up both of Angie Thomas's other books. Um, So I'm really excited to keep going with this one. I've heard nothing but good things from people that have finished it. Yeah. it's. I I need to read The Hate You Give. I haven't read it yet, but I definitely need to read it because that sounds... I just read both of her books this summer. Oh, okay. um, For the first time, so... I heard the audiobook for The Hate You Give is really phenomenal. Ooh, maybe I'll do that. I bet it is. Maybe I'll do that. I bet it is. I listened to the audiobook for On the Come Up, mm. um, which was, it was good. It was good. It was a good audiobook mm-hmm. um, because she kind of, um, the narrator kind of does the raps that Brie writes in the books. Um, so it's a, it's a little interactive, you know? Okay. Inter- interactive Love in the way an audiobook it. can be interactive. Yeah. <laughs> It feels like the narrator is interacting with the source material. That's what I mean. (laughs) 
Um, I am currently reading a nonfiction book. I'm reading a poetry book. Who am I? Getting back into poetry. I feel like last year was me like dipping my toe back into the reading world being like okay what is everyone reading and then this year I'm really trying to focus on like what I like and I think it's poetry and like nonfiction books like anthologies and collections of essays and all of that so I am currently reading Salt by Naira Wahid um it is absolutely stunning her writing is beautiful um she writes about what it's like to be a black woman in such a poetic way um but also leaves you with this really raw feeling um there were many times where I had to put the book down and just kind of sit there and go wow like that was really profound um I have many many tabs in this book already um it's it's just it's a stunning book and I'm not finished. I'm about halfway through um, and I read the first half in like a sitting. So I just need to sit down and read the rest of it. Um, but it's it's truly becoming one of my favorite books I think that I've ever read within the poetry genre just because it it really makes you question who you are and um, yeah, it's just I can't I can't say enough about it, but it's just beautiful. If I go on, I'll go on forever. Um but I'm very excited to finish it. Um, yeah. Look at us reading books, getting reading stuff books, done. Talking about books. I'm finally out of my book slump. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay! I, I will finish Addie LaRue, I promise. I just, I need a minute. <laughs> it's dense. It's, okay. it's dense. It's a slow burn, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Truly. Truly a slow burn. She's She's got all the time in the world, so. Exactly. She's not in a hurry. <laughs> not at all. Well, I think we have reached the end. Yes. Right? Yes, yes, yes. If you've made it to this part of the episode, um, on our Instagram post, please go leave um, a book recommendation by a Black author that you love, because um, we would love more, yeah. just more recommendations. Um, I think we are all trying to expand mm-hmm. our authors that we love yes and and, about and this isn't just going to be you know just for the month of february we are going to be driving home the point that like black authors need to be included in our reading lists every day of the week every year every month every everything so um all day every day (laughs) absolutely yeah so welcome to black history month um we do encourage you to seek out black authors and black voices this month and to continue to uplift them and to listen to them Mm -hmm. um and to not only seek out the books that make you uncomfortable but also the books that celebrate black joy so Mm -hmm. throughout this month um i'm sure we're going to talk about both and all and everything in between so i hope you are excited for all of those conversations and much, much more inside of the book world. Uh, So if you want updates on future things and things we're doing, please make sure you're following us on Instagram at Books on the Brain Podcast. It would mean so, so much to us if you would rate, review, and subscribe if you are listening. Mm -hmm. We are now on all podcast platforms. So wherever you like to listen to your podcasts, give us a little follow. We would appreciate it. And you can follow us on our personal social media accounts. I am at Deirdre Rose Morgan on Instagram and TikTok. 
I'm at d.j.books on Instagram and on TikTok. And I am Carly Rakashi on Instagram and Library of Carly on TikTok. Thanks, y'all. We will talk to you next week. Bye, friends. Bye. Goodbye. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.